Hello, my darling true crime angels. My name is Trisha Griffith. I am the proud owner of WebSleuths.com, the most incredible true crime discussion forum in this universe, if I do say so myself, and I have checked. Now, today our theme is friends. Not the TV show friends, but real friends. Not Facebook friends, not just moved in and met new friends in the neighborhood friends, but lifelong friends. Now, I bonded with my best friend when we were in first grade. We had a very sadistic teacher named Mrs. Lund. And Mrs. Lund picked um, on both of us to the point that, yes, we have both been in therapy. But that's a whole other Dr. Phil episode we'll get into some other time. So if my best friend showed up at my apartment and asked me to get in her car, I would. No question asked. No questions. I'd bring my baby with me. Now, it is believed that's what Megan Framuska did. She showed up at her friend Heidi Brossard's apartment, allegedly. And by the way, they'd been friends since they were 11. And Heidi and her baby Margot got in the car. Now, later, Heidi's body was found. She was strangled. It was found in a, uh, a trunk that was on the property where Megan lived. Baby Margot was unharmed as far as we know. Now, authorities allege that uh, Megan had planned in advance to take Heidi's baby. She's accused of pretending to be pregnant alongside Heidi. She even had a baby registry listed on Amazon with a due date of December 1st. Now, join us to discuss this bizarre and tragic case is Lee Egan, investigative journalist and editor for Nancy Grace's Crime Online, and Cheryl McCollum from the Cold Case Investigative Research Institute. And ladies, welcome to WebSleuth's radio podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, Lee, we're going to start with you, okay? And first of all, Lee, thank you for all your great reporting with Crime Online. At WebSleuth, it makes such a difference when we have a reliable group of people that have uh, deep, trustworthy sources like you and your other reporters have, it helps us at WebSleuths a great deal to discuss the case and pick apart the evidence. So thank you very much, Lee. You're, you're amazing. We do love you. Okay. Thank you, Tricia. I appreciate that. You're welcome. So, Lee, let's start at the beginning here because Heidi goes missing, her boyfriend of 10 years, Shane, calls the police, and then he gives an interview uh, to the media. And everybody that saw that interview, I shouldn't say everybody, but most everybody thought, aha, he's acting a little fishy. Did, did you believe, or did the, your sources believe at the beginning, that he was perhaps involved in Heidi's disappearance? Or did they know from the very beginning that he was not the guy? Well, they never said that they thought he did it. They said there were red flags. One of the sources said that that she had seen them in the past where Heidi went over to her house and immediately when he came home and she wasn't there, he came over to her house too looking for her. When she, you know, in the new, with her missing lately, he said he waited several hours before he reported her. So there was a conflict in the way he acted from the past to now, which threw up red flags to her, but she never... She never said, yes, I think he did it. She said, I hope he didn't, but there's these red flags here, and I'm just hoping for the best. And I think that's what a lot of people felt, and a lot of people thought, and a lot of people vocalized their opinion, which makes it so much worse, because now this poor man, 
everybody in uh, that, that knew this case that was watching it, almost everybody thought he had something to do with it. And then to be accused of something like that, when in fact you're completely innocent, must be horrendous. Cheryl McCollum with the Cold Case Investigative Research Institute. One of your many talents is you can look at somebody, especially during an interview, and decide, you know, this this person just just isn't being honest. What did you mm-hmm. think of Shane, the boyfriend, when you saw him talking? Well, before I even got to him, what stuck out for me is she dropped her son off at school and then was never seen again. So I was really confident she didn't leave on her own because she wouldn't have left one child behind. Mm -hmm. So right off the bat, I was a little concerned for her well-being. Um, When I first saw him speak, there weren't a lot of red flags for me, but you get the sense that he's either trying to hold it together or he knows he's fixing to be under a microscope, and that means everything. And let me be very clear. I'll give you some examples. Not Shane and not this victim. I want to be clear about that. But let's say right now today, somebody's going to serve a search warrant on your listener's home. How many people might have a sex toy out? How many people might have marijuana? How many people might have pornography? How many people might have something they don't want the general public to know was in that house? So it could be that he's nervous about, man, they're going to find out about this. They're going to find out about that. They're going to go through our computers. They're going to go through our phones. Because clearly he's got to be ruled out. I mean, that's investigation 101. So most husbands, fiancés, or boyfriends know on some level they're going to come at me. They have to. But again, here's the other good thing. And your folks at Webstreet, they know this to be true. Usually if the husband, the fiance, the boyfriend has something to do with it, they're not the one that reports her missing. Think about it. True. Lacey Peterson, her mama had to call. With the Watts, you know, wife and the two girls, her family had to call. So again, that helped me look at him differently knowing he made that call. Exactly. And I think uh, Cheryl and Lee were both almost conditioned to go, okay, this this looks really suspicious when it comes to a missing woman, especially a missing woman with a baby, that uh, we obviously look at the uh, the man or their main person in their life. However, there have been many of those ugly cases where a woman has been killed for her baby. She goes and finds a crib on Craigslist and shows up at somebody's house and is killed. Uh, it, it's it's happened. But I don't think I have ever heard of a case where a lifelong friend pretended to be pregnant right alongside her best friend and then killed her best friend for her baby like nobody was going to notice. From what I understand, uh, Megan... There were no really big red flags, although she had been arrested uh, and accused of stealing before, but no red flags that would indicate there was any sort of even mental illness like this that was going on. And uh, Lee Egan, Crime Online, what do you say? What have you heard about Megan and her past leading up to this event? You're absolutely right. All of her friends, they were shocked, absolutely shocked, because Megan... 
she called Tim Miller, or Tim Miller with Texas Equisearch called her, and she told him, let me know what I can do. I want to help any way I can. And then she was telling uh, Heidi's friends, oh, I'm so sick over this. Let me know what I can do. How can I help? She played it to a T. She showed no signs. And friends that knew her before saying, we, you know, there was, there was nothing there. She, she seemed totally normal. It's very scary. I mean, to think about it, that's just absolutely frightening. And there was no indication that she wasn't pregnant. I heard in an interview with her lawyer, uh, the lawyer that represented her during her uh, theft, her, excuse me, her theft <coughs> arrest. And he said that when he met her, she wasn't pregnant. As she as they continued to work together, she started showing. So this was absolutely at least a nine month plan that she had to take uh, her ba- to take Heidi's baby. To ki- and to kill her. What what just drives me nuts is why in the world she think nobody would notice that this was Heidi's baby and not hers. And what is very chilling is she, I, I mean, Heidi was found. It was a manual strangulation. This is her best friend. And uh, I'll, I'll throw this out to both of you and, and both of you can chime in, uh, chime in. Cheryl, have you heard of any other suspects, any other accomplices with this case, or does it look like it's all Megan? It's all Megan. And, and here's the thing. As a criminologist, sometimes you have to look at things historically to give you a pretty good picture. But, you know, here's one of the things that we know for absolute certainty. When you have a kidnapping of an infant, which is what this looks like, right, less than 1% is going to be a stranger. Less than 1%. So that means your suspects will shrink. So again, you go to the dad, you go to anybody else that's in her inner circle. Um, and a lot of times, with a child this young, the perpetrator is going to be a woman. That's scary. That now, is... this baby was not ransomed, right? Right. Um, it, it appeared that with everything that was left in the home, I mean, the, the diaper bag was left there. So she didn't think she was going to be gone too long, right? Um, the only thing that was missing was like her cell phone, which is usually on us now somewhere in the pocket. So it didn't look like, you know, she left. It didn't look like somebody came in there and ransacked the place and fought her. So if it was an adult abduction, they wouldn't have taken the baby. Um, so with both of them being gone and, again, her son being left, those are all the pieces of this puzzle that start to paint a really horrific picture. It really does. Uh, Lee, there's been a bit of confusion about a possible second suspect. Is there a sus- second suspect who has been arrested or is even being considered that you're aware of? No one that I know of at this time has been arrested. There was a person detained, I think, on Friday morning. Might have been late Thursday night. This person was detained for questioning but we have not heard anything about an arrest yet. We just know that somebody was there, and we don't know who it is yet or what happened. But there was a second person that the police wanted to speak to. We don't know if it's her boyfriend, a landlord. We don't know. I mean, they're just not saying yet. Right. And that's But those kind of people are going to... Because listen, if you're playing off with your best friend that you're pregnant, you've got to have a man somewhere. So yeah. you either have told them, oh, my gosh, I had a one-night stand. I don't even know who the guy is. I cannot believe I even did that. There's got to be a story there to lead us to this second person. And, again, like Lee's saying, if it's a landlord, 
when did you hear the baby crying? When did you see the baby teeth? You know, when did she tell you this or that? Exactly. And I believe the due date was December 1st for Megan. That's what she put on her registry. Is that correct, Lee? That's correct. She had a, I believe it's a Target registry or an Amazon, maybe both. And she had a lot of baby boy clothing there, baby boy stuff. Um, and then at some point, reportedly, she told friends that she had a girl and she named this girl Luna. And the friend, Heidi's friends said that they could hear a baby in the background when they spoke to her. And they just assumed it was, you know, her baby because for nine months she pretended to be pregnant, registry and all. So they didn't, it just didn't click with them yet. When you say they heard and a Trisha, Oh, yes, Cheryl, go ahead. how twisted this is, she gave herself the same due date as the big one. Oh, that's just creepy. That is just creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lee, when you say they heard a baby crying, was this after Heidi went missing or was it before? Yes. Or do we know? It was after. So it was probably. It was after. Okay. So it probably, the assumption is that that was, that was baby Margot. Let's talk Likely. about her boyfriend. Uh, do we know how long Megan has been together with this man? We don't know a lot about him. And I don't want to say his name yet because I'm waiting for police to confirm. Uh, there's been so many rumors. Really, we don't know what's going on with this guy. Some people say that he was the landlord. Other people say, no, that's not true. So uh, until we get law enforcement confirmation, I'm I'm really, we don't know. Right. We, the last thing we need to do is put out another person, innocent person's name out there and have everybody right. in the universe speculate on his guilt or lack thereof. And we don't want, definitely do not want to do that. Uh, Cheryl McCollum, Cold Case Investigative Research Institute. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Oh, Lord. I know. Well, you can do it. I've put you on the spot a million times. You always come through. Megan, the best friend of Heidi. What happened? What happened in her psyche? If you had to guess, which I'm asking you to guess, when did she turn from great friend from the start at 11 years old to psycho killer of her best friend Mm -hmm. to steal her baby? What the hell happened? Well, let me caveat by saying this is not my area, but I'll tell you what I think. Okay. Um, she's probably been a very accomplished liar her whole life. She has probably wanted to be more like the victim than she would have ever let on. She can clearly maneuver and, you know, con people and boonswoggle people. So she did it. And I want to piggyback on one thing that Lee Eaton said about Tim Miller. Tim Miller has been on how many scenes searching for people? Mm-hmm. Tim Miller has dealt with how many families and friends and suspects in that regard? He believed this woman. He had no red flags at all. So, again, she's accomplished. But there's a thing, they even call it infant replacement. So a lot of times when we see infants kidnapped by women that want to keep the child as their own, they have lost a child. It could be miscarriage, or it could have been a horrific accident, or it could have been disease. But they have lost a child under the age of six months old. Um, and so they get fixed on, I have to replace my baby. I don't know her medical background, but I'm saying most of the time that this occurs, again, there's a name for it, and the FBI will tell you, um, again, if the child is less than six months old, then chances are it's going to be somebody in the mama's social circle. That's just, uh, again, 
Shocking. Wow. And what what is the name of 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 this uh, of this? It's called infant replacement. Infant replacement. That's something new that we're going to have to hang on to because, unfortunately, in this yeah, day and age, it's going to it's probably going to happen again. Uh, Lee, a lot of people discuss rumors like they're fact, and that's one of my biggest frustrations with uh, dealing with the wonderful member members on Websus. I love them; they're great, but sometimes they'll state a rumor as fact. Let's go through the facts of this case so we can get it black and white right now and know where know what we can discuss what are the facts as we know them at this moment okay so the facts are megan as far as we know is the only suspect in this case police have said that her fiance likely had nothing to do with this you know despite the red flags that her friend saw they were just red flags they didn't that doesn't necessarily mean he had anything to do with this um, other suspects, we don't know. Possibly, but we don't know. So at this point, Megan's looking at kidnapping and tampering with evidence of corpse charges. No murder charges yet, I'm assuming. They're looking for more evidence. She'll know better than that on, on that point. Um, but yeah, that's that's what we have. What led police to Megan? Why did they finally suspect her? And and you know when they started to suspect her, Lee? Somebody tipped off CPS, that's Children's Protective Services, in Houston to Megan's house. They, I don't know what happened, but supposedly they wanted some kind of evaluation for the baby inside the home. CPS contacted that local fire department. Fire department goes out there. They see the baby in the swing. You know, Megan's still trying to pass the baby off as hers. No, that's my baby. That's mine. They took the baby anyways because somewhere along the line, law enforcement said, wait, Hold it, something's going on here. So they took the baby in, and then after that, like just swarms of law enforcement officers surrounded the house. So CPS was called first. That's interesting. And they took the baby right. first, and then law enforcement came in and said, "Okay, there's this, something is not right with this pit with this picture." Now everybody that knew Megan, from what we can tell, were absolutely shocked that she did this. They had no idea that. She was like this in any sense at all. And we're going to go back to Cheryl McCollum here because you do you do deal with what the police do and their procedures. Uh, you just heard Lee explain what we know as fact. Tell us how mm -hmm. the, the police would go about doing what they did in this case. Well, I'll give you a, just, a, again, a general idea. But let's say you're talking to her. There is not a woman that has an infant that cannot tell you how long that infant is and how much that infant weighs. But you could ask her, how how long is the baby? How much does the baby weigh? If she does not know that, again, that would be a little bit disconcerting. Um, remember, like Haley Cummings, she couldn't tell you how much, you know, the baby weighed. Remember, she said maybe 50, maybe 70 pounds. Right. <laughs> no mama. Mm -hmm is going to be off by 20 pounds on a little bitty kid. I mean, that makes no sense. So what, and it could have been something as simple as they saw this woman with an infant, and then when she went to go help first, or she went and met with the fiance, she couldn't take the baby, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe she left the baby alone, and the baby cried, or they saw the baby through the window, neighbors, you never know. But when Child Protective Services got there, and then the fire department got there, 
again, these are folks that are trained, you know, to ask you questions a certain way to, to get as much information as they can. And when she couldn't ask that and possibly couldn't produce a birth certificate and possibly couldn't produce any papers from the pediatrician, um, it's going to be really clear it's not her baby mm-hmm. easily. Um, you could probably look around the apartment and know it's not her baby. Right. She doesn't have a breast pump. She doesn't have, you know, things that she would have if that were her baby. It's gonna, it's gonna be I wanted fun. to add also to the the, tip, the CPS tip around the same time. Well, I don't know if it was the same time, but at some point, law enforcement pulled uh, surveillance footage from the apartment, the Austin apartment where Heidi lived, and they did see the suspect's car there. And they reportedly did see Heidi get into this car willingly. You know, she probably thought, it's my best friend. Let me just go out and chat for a minute. You know, there's a lot of questions about, you know, why would she do that? Why would she not take her baby's car seat? But it could be she just, you know, hopped in her friend's car for a minute just to chat. And, you know, Heidi, or not Heidi, Megan, at that point could have just pulled away. We just don't know. But we do know that police did see her car in that apartment complex. And Heidi got in the car with her baby. There could have been a car seat in the back. And correct. That, that's why she didn't need her car seat. I, I can absolutely see Megan pulling up and saying, hey, come out. I have an emergency. You need to help me. And, and right. Heidi wouldn't question that, as I wouldn't with a friend that I'd known that long. You would jump in and go. And that's what is so frightening. I was pregnant one mm-hmm. time and I had a great time being pregnant, but I had so many people warn me about this phenomenon. And I thought, oh, come on, people are just being ridiculous. Now I don't think so. I, I think pregnant women. You know, Go ahead. Trisha, you hear about these women that cut babies out of women when they're eight months oh. and nine months pregnant. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happens. And, you know, hospitals have a code pink for a reason. You have the little monitors on the baby. <laughs> Um, and I'll tell you one other statistic that's kind of mind-blowing. Half of all infant kidnappings occur at hospitals. Oh, wow. And half wow. of them occur in the mama's room. So you have to be just vigilant about protecting an infant. I mean, all all stages. I mean, not just an infant. Right. If you're a mama, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, you, yeah. You don't ever really let your foot off the gas as far as protection goes. But, True. you know, you're talking about somebody that is going to be almost they're going to look so different in four months that you might not even know that was your child very true what is code pink does that mean does that mean a baby's been taken code pink yes yes okay that's and the the whole hospital locks down locks down interesting uh lee is there anything else you would like to add that could help help everybody understand this year. Like I and said, then, you know, Trisha, once they located her car is when they found the victim in the trunk. But once that car was identified and they looked, she was in the trunk of the car. And again, Cheryl, how would a best friend manually strangle her and then get her body in that car? Was there a garage? Did she back in? Does anybody have any idea? Cheryl, thoughts? I mean... I believe they said ligature strangulation in the autopsy. Ligature, so that's right. Sorry. She could have said, look, I'm going to jump in the back seat, check on the baby. And then from behind her, she could have easily put something around her neck. And, you know, it takes very little effort at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, again, what worries me about it is that it's so personal and it is so violent. Um, and it doesn't take 30 seconds like on TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be minutes. That this is going on. 
She may have and, known. That's what's terrible. You know, the victim would obviously know what's happening, almost like grounding. Mm-hmm. And she would know who was doing it. And that's the thing to me that is so heartbreaking. But I'm going to say again, this is not a person that became mentally ill last week. This is somebody that has been able to mask it to a degree. But again, when you start getting into her family, her parents, her siblings, her cousins, I can guarantee you they've seen a shift in her. Um, And again, the best friends, think about your best friends or your group of friends. When do you really see them? When do you really hang out? So you can almost gear up for the party. You can gear up for a girl's night out. You can gear up for a dinner party. You can gear up for a wedding. But that does not mean, and I want to say this to everybody listening, who you love and you feel like is your best friend may not be yours. And everybody just needs to be careful this day and age, unfortunately. Right, Cheryl? Yes. And if you listen to what they say, I can bet you money. She has phrased things where if they go back, and all these people that are shocked right now, if they go back, I bet you there's been a few things that, yeah, I thought that was odd. Yeah, she seems more mad and more jealous and happy for us. Mm -hmm. I can guarantee it. And I think in the days, weeks, and months to come, we are going to find out a lot about Megan's background. Uh, Lee Egan, is there anything else you would like to add, or is there a rumor that we need to clear up? Uh, what are your final thoughts as of this day, uh, Monday, December 23rd, 2019? Because it could change by the time this interview is over, and we know that. I think the main thing is the rumor. There, Regardless that law enforcement has said Shane is not a suspect, there's still a persistent rumor that he had something to do with it. I would just ask people listening to, you know, listen to the facts. Don't speculate to the point where you're going to ruin someone's life because it happens all the time. These innocent people, they get barraged with messages, threats. Um, just listen. Just listen. He's not been named a suspect. I think that's the main point we need to stress while we're waiting on, you know, more upcoming news on what's going to happen. Absolutely. And I just want to say on Web Sleuths, he has now been uh, removed as a topic, as a suspect. We do not allow that speculation anymore uh, for that reason. And we do try and use initials as well. So the Google searches don't keep popping up his name with all these these terrible things. Uh, Lee, tell us about what you do, where people can go to see your work, hear your work with Nancy Grace. Give us a rundown because you're amazing and everybody needs to go to Crime Online and and read Lee's uh, reporting and listen to Nancy Grace, but I want you to tell us about it, Lee. Oh, first of all, thank you, Tricia. I appreciate that. And I, we love Web Sleuth. Oh, thank you. We go there a lot. Thank you. I probably go there daily. I know all of us go there. Um, but I'm an investigative journalist and an editor for Nancy Grace and Crime Online. And you can visit us at CrimeOnline.com. And we have plenty of experts on there on Nancy's podcast, including Cheryl McCollum, who's here, here with us today. She is a uh, crime scene, is a CSI crime scene investigator, and she's the director of the Atlanta Cold Case Research Institute. Her, along with many others, join Nancy Grace on her Crime Stories podcast, which can be found um, on CrimeOnline.com. Perfectly. And Cheryl McCollum, uh, we love you. You have been a friend of Web Sleuths for many, many years, and you're doing something incredibly cool 
uh, on on the news. So tell us a little bit about that. What uh, your your show in Atlanta? Okay. Um, I want before I get to that though. Let me brag on Lee Egan one second. Absolutely. <laughs> a lot of times when you are a reporter, you have to get the story out first, and you want to scoop things, and you want to. It's kind of not an aggressive job, but it's a it's an important and it's a fast paced job. Lee Egan is one of the most giving, sharing, um, I mean, I can't say enough accolades about her. Aww. Whenever I write, and I will say this for your audience, I am a uh, raging dyslexic. <laughs> I can't fail. <laughs> I flip things around. Lee will take the time to make sure there's nothing completely wrong in it before it's published. And she's just very giving, and she's very gracious by saying, no, no, no. Um, I had to completely rewrite it because it was, you know, not perfect. But <laughs> she puts my name on it anyway, even though she freaking did it. So I just want people to know that about her. She's super cool people. I agree. 100%. Um, Thank you, Cheryl. And let me just add, it is Cheryl's words. Cheryl writes the stories. It's her words. It, it comes from her experiences. So I may reward it here and there, but it is all Cheryl. She it completely does these stories on her own. Well, I, you know, they know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but anyway, um, the uh, CBS 46 in Atlanta contacted me and said, hey, we're wanting to look at some cold cases. Would you come to a meeting and talk to us about it? And I said, absolutely. So Natasha Lee, who I've worked with more than once, um, invited me to this meeting. And they said, look, we really want Karen Greer to have this showcase where she takes these local cases and we try to, get on a, a brand new platform, what do you think? I said, I think it's the greatest thing I've ever heard. I think the local news should be more involved, not just with cold cases, but even with active cases. And they were like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, let's say, for example, you have a five-year-old missing. Y'all got a drone sitting over there in that tub. Instead of just standing on the side of the road reporting, there's a five-year-old missing in the woods. Mm-hmm. Put your freaking drone in the air and try to find it. I mean, you all have the ability to do that. When you factor in Karen Greer, there are people in Atlanta that love and trust her. They will talk to her when they will not talk to me in uniform. They won't talk to a detective. Use that. Mm -hmm. Utilize her gift of people knowing they can, in fact, trust her. So before I left that meeting that day, honey, they had hired me to be with her. So Karen Greer and I are doing segments on the news called CSI Atlanta, where we take these cold cases, and Lee's been a part of it, and Nancy Grace has been a part of it, and Dr. Laura Petler, and Detective Menina out of Indianapolis, and um, <clears throat> Holly Hughes, and a ton of people that y'all all know. They've all agreed and been involved. And we showcase these cold cases. We do AIDS progression. We do MVAT. We offer polygraphs. We locate witnesses. And we're trying to move these cold cases in four-minute segments on the local news. Well, Cheryl, if anybody can do it, it is you. And I believe that you're going to start a very positive trend in that area. And, and good for you. I think that is fantastic. Plus, in addition to being an amazing crime scene uh, technician and extraordinaire, you also run the, uh, the Crime Case Investigative Resource, Resource Institute, correct? Yes. Cold case, cold case investigative resource institute. So you got a little bit of, uh, you have a few jobs that you need to take care of during the day. You're a bit busy, right? 
I, I have a few jobs. Y'all can hear my police radio going off in the background <laughs> as I'm talking to y'all. But, you know, it's, listen, I have a lot of help. And that's what, you know, <clears throat> you could not do it without tons of people. So, again, I call Lee a lot. I, I bounce ideas off of her even if we're not writing a story. I have no problem calling Dr. Petler and saying, hey, do you think I'm on the right track here? Um, I called Detective Anina not long ago. And I said, what am I missing? Um, I called Karen Smith in California. And I said, am I crazy or do you see it this way? Mm -hmm. And so I have a lot of people that are genuinely good to me to say, hey, send me what you got and I'll call you right back. So I don't do any of it alone. It is a team effort. Oh, Lord, yes. Yes, That's another reason I love wet food. Well, and because you put that many good people together doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason, and some remarkable things are going to happen. And I, I agree with you. The people on Web Sleuths are, are amazing people. I, I sit Amen. back and they do the work, and it is truly uh, just, it, it blows my mind sometimes. Lee Agan, CrimeOnline.com, thank you for taking the time out. I know it's been a busy, busy a few days for you as we get ready for the holidays in this case. And again, anything you need from Web Sleuths, we're here for you. Just let Nancy know. We'll help any way we can, and we'll help you, Lee, any way we can. Okay? Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Trisha. Thank you so much for having me on. You bet. And Cheryl, same to you. Anything you need for any of your 12,000 different projects, <laughs> Web Sleuths <laughs> is here for you. And you know you. I've got something headed your way. We so do. Currently helping me out. It's so, very exciting. Uh, you know I'm a huge fan. Thank so you. This is going to be fantastic. Thank you, ladies. Thank you both. Thank you so much. You take care now. All right. All right. Merry Thank Christmas. you, Trisha. Merry Christmas. Bye bye. And everybody, that's bye. it for Web Sleuths Radio Podcast. Uh, I hope you subscribe to the YouTube channel because we are going to be doing live podcasts on YouTube coming up uh, as soon as as soon as I can get all the equipment set up. That's what we're going to be doing. So thank you, everybody. Have yourselves a happy holiday. Be safe. And join us next time for Web Sleuths Radio Podcast. Don't forget, patreon.com if you want to support Web Sleuths. Five bucks a month. Great way to listen for extra content. Bye-bye.